Gracious is the Lord and just. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord keeps the little ones, the simple-hearted. I was brought low and he saved me, for he has freed my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This has been one of my favorite psalms for a long time. We just heard it today from our psalm. It's number 116. It's often called the thanksgiving to God who saves a person from death. That last line just kind of strikes me in particular. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I think it's wonderful. It pops up a few times in our liturgy this Sunday. It's, I think, a good premise for us to kind of dive into this mind of our God. One of my favorite works in the Catholic Church is, of course, the Sistine Chapel. I'm sure many have been there, at least seen pictures or videos of it. The Vatican over in Rome. It was painted by Michelangelo around the year 1475. You know, the main focus of everyone that goes, obviously, is uh, the big last judgment scene that goes basically from floor to ceiling. Uh, have heaven, purgatory, and hell. Interestingly, Michelangelo, for whatever reason, he didn't paint a uh, woman in hell. Only men are in hell. So, I, I don't know what that insight is, but uh, it's probably not much, right? But I recall when, when touring it, uh, kind of laughing at a smaller piece of the entire chapel. And it was a, a ceiling panel, not even directly in the center, it was a little towards the back. Um, and it was that of God creating the, the sun and the moon. And then after creating those two, creating the plants. So day and night and then the plants. And so God, who, whose pure movement, you know, pure power is, is flying about everywhere, you could, he just, you could tell he's in motion. Um, so he points, he creates the sun, he points, he creates the moon. And within a flash, you know, he's moving again. And he's moving so fast to another part to create the plants that when he turns, Michelangelo actually painted his rear side, which, you know, kind of made me chuckle a little bit. I'm like, really? Michelangelo did that? That kind of made me think, connected to me to a lot of my scripture courses in seminary, uh, particular ones of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, those great prophets like Moses. You know, that to see God face to face would have meant instant death, right? He's so powerful and we are so weak that to see that pure love, that pure force, would obliterate us. And so what would happen in the Old Testament? You know, a few things could happen. One, God could, you know, kind of bow himself in a certain regard. You know, for example, a burning bush, so we could commune with him. The prophets would shield or, or shroud their faces with a veil. Or one of the parties would literally turn their backs so as they can talk to God, but they don't have to look face to face. This is from Exodus chapter 33. Then Moses said, please let me see your glory. The Lord answered, I will make all my goodness pass before you, but you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. When my glory passes, I will set you in a cleft in the rock and will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand so that you may see my back, but my face may not be seen. Pretty interesting, isn't it? To see the back of the Lord. But then that line from 116 just kind of kept popping in my head. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living, right? not behind him. The reality that that was the old covenant, and it still exists, but we have and we live in the new covenant that we can see God face to face and not die. How? 
His name is Jesus. He gives us the Eucharist himself. That no longer do we need to walk behind the Lord or turn our back or his to us. That we can and actually are called to and ought to walk before the Lord. But to be clear with ourselves and realize that walking before the Lord is not walking in front of the Lord. Take our gospel today. Peter kind of, if you will, steps out in front of Jesus and says, No, Lord, we won't let it happen. We won't let you undergo this passion. We know what is to be and we'll enact it so. And just like that, those words that Peter uttered, that we so often utter, kind of just spontaneously in an unexpected way, manifest the condition of our interior soul in a way that we may have never imagined or fully realized. And so what happens right after that? It's a big old rebuke fest, right? He says, get behind me, he says. So brothers and sisters, this week, let us pray for that gift to walk before and with the Lord, not in front of him, to walk with him as we are him when we receive the Eucharist, that we become divinized, we become like God. I'd like to just repray that Psalm 116, and if you feel so called, close your eyes and just kind of reflect on these words, especially towards the end when it says, you know, my eyes and my feet. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me the day I called. The cords of death encompassed me, the snares of the netherworld seized upon me. I fell into distress and sorrow, and I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and just. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord keeps the little ones. I was brought low and he saved me. For he has freed my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living.